0: Hello, everyone, and happy Father's Day. And so, and, and so for me personally, it's also a very good day because I'm back in the saddle again. For, so we, you have been in good hands over the last several weeks. Obviously, um, Pastor Sampson, Deer Creek, delivered an amazing message. And then you've got Pastor Hetty, who just brought it from Guthrie. And then you had the queen, Shannon, who just came and brought an amazing word. And then Yolanda Thomas. So you had four great communicators over the last few weeks. But I'm glad to be able to be back speaking to you. And so we're going to jump right into this, okay? Uh, We're today going to talk about the topic of pain. It's the last week of warriors to warriors. And if there's one thing that we worry about some is pain. None of us like pain, right? Matter of fact, my philosophy in life is no pain, no pain. Just don't deal with it, all right? Uh, But the truth of the matter is all of us are going to face pain. And how you face pain, how you deal with it is going to determine what type of person you're going to become. If you want to be a warrior, you've got to deal with pain, right? So I've experienced a lot of pain over the last few weeks. I've had two major surgeries. If you don't know, let me just give you just kind of a rundown of the first one. I had a shoulder surgery, which stems from an accident, okay, that happened three years prior. It just continually got worse. And then when I finally went to have an MRI, I found out that actually my humerus up at the top, the, across the bicep, had actually been broken. My arm had been broken. My ball of my humerus that goes up into my shoulder had been broken off, and now it's four grade four chondromalacia, which is the worst degree of arthritis you can have, right? And on top of that, my labrum had been torn out, a circumficial tear that required a bunch of anchors to go back in and brace that. If you don't know much about that type of surgery, that is very delicate and very hard to kind of overcome, especially as you get older, all right. And so uh, that's where I'm at. And then I follow that up with a total knee replacement a total knee replacement. If you don't know what that is, that's a pretty tough surgery. Because they come in and literally cut your leg off, cut your leg off, put a tourniquet there so you don't bleed to death, pull out your knee, okay, put a brand-new titanium plastic knee in there. They screw them back together in this bone, screw it back in that bone. It's a pretty painful surgery. So then I followed that up with physical therapy, okay. Now, with the knee, the physical therapy is very straightforward. It's trying to get to work again. Mine's a little complicated because I've got 30 years of my leg not being able to function the way it should and to regain that mobility, all right? That's a painful thing. Secondly, with the shoulder, it's a long process. Just even as a week ago, I could only raise my arm about that much. Now I can raise my arm that much, okay? We're making progress. But my goal is not just to get to a certain point. My goal is to have... 100% 100% health and wholeness one more time. Anybody with me on that? Okay. And so I thought that I would just kind of show you a little bit of my physical therapy process over this past week so that you can get a feel of the type of pain that I'm experiencing, okay. Since I'm talking about pain today, here are some of the things that I've been going through. Watch this. There I am working my shoulder. There you see my knee though. Now that's my knee. That girl it has a rope tied to my foot pulling from behind. And she's going to pull with everything she has while he pushes.
1: That's painful.
0: And here they are trying to get my knee to go down. And pushing, pushing, pushing. Here's the amazing thing. Thursday night, Shannon was sitting in the front row and she was watching that. And she yells out, is it a boy or is it a girl? And everybody laughed like you at my pain. Now I realize I'm not comparing apples and oranges. And ladies, I don't even begin to claim that I even understand the pain that you've went through in the birthing process. I don't even I don't even want to go there, okay? But I was hurting. So pain I want you to write this down. You're not going to see it on the screen. It's not going to be in your notes. Pain is the constant companion of the follower of Jesus Christ. Pain is the constant companion of the follower of Jesus Christ. But most of us, we want to avoid pain. Don't we? I do. You do. It's the the, the very nature. We don't like pain. But as a follower of Jesus... We submit ourselves sometimes to pain to produce what God wants to produce in us. Jesus said these words in Matthew 16. Look what he says. He says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. That's a life of pain. Give up your way. (laughs) My way is pain free. Enjoy life. Take up the cross. That cross represents death. It's the epitome of pain and suffering. And follow him. Over the past several weeks, I've had several physical therapists in the church that have been very generous to me. Uh, Jana has just, Bake Hall has just been great helping me out. Um, Heather Squires. Heather Squires is been a part of the church for many, many years too, great support. She set me down, though, and kind of walked me through what I'm going to encounter in this process. She said, Pastor, you've had 30-plus years of a leg that has not functioned properly, and you've learned how to compensate. Hear me. There's a lot of us that have learned how to compensate with our pain. And it's hard to be once and for all totally free. And so she said, it's going to be a process of peeling back, like peeling away an onion. And as you stand over that onion you peel it back, there's going to be a lot of tears, a lot of pain. But if you are diligent and you are steadfast and you keep peeling peeling back the onion, you will eventually get down to where you need to get to. And with that, I came up with the definition of pain that I'm going to share with you. Pain is the process of peeling away the shell that encloses your potential. Let that settle in for just a moment and think about what that means. Inside of every single one of you is a God-given potential. And to get there, there has to be a process of peeling away the shell, the history the dysfunction, the struggle, with an ultimate goal to get to the potential that God has inside of you. Now, I'm not talking about stupid pain. Stupid pain is what I did three years ago when I got on a skateboard going down a hill at speeds of upper 20 to 30 miles an hour. Okay, and my kids warned me, do not do this, Daddy. I did it. I actually did it twice successfully. The third time was the charm. Stupid pain is years back when our kids were small and we got our first dog and the dog kept digging out of the backyard. We got an underground electrical fence. You know what I'm talking about? We're going to shock this dog into submission. We're going to keep it in the yard. So as we lay it out, me and my neighbor friend We lay it all out and we're like unsure because we turned it on and stuff and couldn't see if it was really working, that something didn't seem to and so one of us had to put on the collar. My neighbor thought that this direction was the lower frequency, but actually it was the other direction, and so he had what he thought was on the lowest frequency, but on the highest frequency. And so one person puts on the collar. I won't tell you who the stupid idiot was who did that. But let me just tell you, it worked. That's stupid pain, dumb pain. But every one of us are going to have pain that we have to endure to get to where God wants to take us. The Book of John, chapter number five. You can turn with me in your Bibles, your phone, or you can look at the big Bible in the sky called the screen. And in this passage, Jesus steps into the scene. I'm going to talk about the crowd, the compassion, the courage, and the critics. The crowd that Jesus sees, the compassion Jesus gives, the courage to obey, and the critics of Jesus. So let's break this down. So let's go back. Verse number 1 of chapter 5, it says this. Afterward, Jesus returned. To Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick how long? 38 38 years. In your notes, write this down. With all the pain in the world, Jesus pays close attention to the one. Okay, I had total knee replacement. Um, I was a very short stay in the hospital, just a one day. Usually it's at least a two, three day stay uh, for a total knee. I was just overnight, checked out the next day, went home with some pain meds they gave me. I do not like pain meds, but this was a very excruciating surgery. Uh, I took them for a few days, and then I weaned myself off real quickly and said no more. Uh, One night, one night I woke myself up. I heard somebody moaning in my sleep. Actually, somebody is moaning. Who's moaning? I woke up and like, oh, that's me moaning. I was in pain. I actually got on my phone. I I Googled. I was like, total knee replacement pain. And I found like a chat room of like hundreds of people that were like chiming in on their personal knee pain. (laughs) And so I began to read some of their personal pain. And I started feeling a whole lot better about myself and my situation. There's a lot of people in pain. Sometimes you feel like you're the only one. I, I Googled how many total knee replacements there are every year in the U.S., get this, 700,000 of them. I'm just one of a crowd. Hear me on this. Pain is very real. And whatever your pain is, Jesus sees you. He doesn't just see the crowd, he sees you. If it's a paper cut that has got infected, that hurts. Have you ever been there just in the right spot and like everything you touch, it hurts? Whether it is an abscess tooth that is bothering you, how many know that hurts? Whether it's a broken bone, whether it's cancer, come on, whether it's a court battle for custody of your kids, that's pain. Whether it's a divorce or a separation, whether it's financial struggle that you're going through or job rejection time and time again or job loss. I'm talking about pain. But while there's a crowd out there and everybody else is in pain, sometimes we can be isolated and feel like I'm the only one. But know this, that Jesus sees not just the crowd, but he sees you personally. He knows what you're going through. So let's look at the compassion Jesus gives. Verse number six. When Jesus saw him, that was the one man who for 38 years had been lying there and knew how long he had, how he had been ill for, so, for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? You see, this guy was a nameless guy, had been labeled by his pain. And some of you may feel, feel like no one knows you and no one understands your pain and you feel labeled. Trust me. He sees you, he knows, and he knows how long. And he asked the question, would you want to get well? Which seems like a simple answer, yes or no, right? I have found in my own personal experience that people that come with struggles and issues, that oftentimes it's not that they really want to get well, they just want the pain to be gone. You understand the difference? You see, I've talked to a physical therapist. They said, you know, most people don't put in the hard work and the extra time that it really takes to really have a whole body again. I I find that in the Christian walk, there's a whole lot of people like that. And I pray that you don't be that person that you just want the pain to be gone, you just want the situation to be gone. No, 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 no. God is allowing you to go through this process of pain, to peel back the shell so that you can reach the potential that's inside you because there is so much more. You see, God is not settling for you just to survive. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to walk in abundance. He wants you to walk in health and strength, spiritually speaking. He wants you to experience all that he has for you. We so often stop short. We so often stop... Just at the edge of the breakthrough that's going to take us to the next level. Just like the physical therapist said, most people just stop when the pain's gone, that's all I want. I'm done. Instead of being able to fully function and use everything to the fullest co- possibility that it could happen. You say, why, why is it that some people are that way? So sometimes they just want sympathy. Sometimes we just want the company. Can you imagine the crowds of people that are gathered around here? It says that there were crowds around five porches. Do you think that some of them are just kind of just used to enjoying the company of other people that are in pain? Come on, birds of a feather flock together and we begin to just hang out with other people that are in pain and struggling. Come on, I've seen it again and again that somebody's going through a divorce and somebody begins to hang out with that person who's went through a divorce and all of a sudden their marriage starts getting bad and they go through a divorce. Come on, hang out with the people that are whole. Run with the people that are healthy. Run with the people that are going to help make you better. Go with the people that are going to change your life for the good and point you to Jesus Christ not pull you away. Some want charity. And some have developed an addiction to their affliction. And that's all they know. And so they keep repeating the process. Look, look at verse number. So here's his answer. Yes or no? And what does he say? I can't. <laughs> Think about that. You know what he begins to do? He begins to explain the reasons why he cannot. Now, when you convince yourself that you can't, you won't. Whatever it is in life, you convince yourself you can't. You won't. Just forget about it. And notice he says, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me there. Into the pool where the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Do you see the excuses he's offering? Do you see what he's going through here? This mental battle, he's saying, he's blaming, no one's helping me. I can't get to the pool. See, the focus is on the pool instead of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the life-giving water. That if you drink of those waters, you will never thirst again, Jesus said. And and then he says, somebody else always beats me. Have, Have you been there? You feel like everybody else is getting the favor. Everybody else is getting the job promotion. Everybody else is getting the step up. Everybody else. It's so easy to get wrapped in yourself that you think everybody else is Getting the upper hand, the advantage. So so this is what he's going through. But how many of you noticed when I read verse number three? I skipped to verse number five. Now, if you got your Bibles open, anybody notice that? Nobody noticed that? One person noticed it. Because verse number four has been omitted out of most of the Bibles nowadays. Not not all. King James still has it. Because Over the past several years, they've been uncovering more manuscripts, and they found that that one verse wasn't in a lot of the original ones. Now, it's up for debate, and so some of the theologians felt like we should move that out because they felt like it was a tradition that was put in there over a period of time. It was not maybe meant to be there. I'm not here to argue that point, but I want to go back and look at verse number 4. Look at what verse number 4 says. It says this, for an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step into the water was stirred, was healed of whatever disease he had. This is interesting. Now, whether it was a tradition or actual thing, I lean toward the tradition that had been passed on over the years, that it was probably a natural spring and then people were just kind of looking for answers of hope and to be delivered from their pain. But I take this away, though. Here's, here's the mindset of the man. The mindset of the man that had been there for 38 years and everybody else is you got to be the right person in the right place at the right time if you're going to get your heal- healing. Think about that. You see, because we convince ourselves that we're not the right person and you've got to be in the right place and you've got to be in the right time, and then I'm the one. My heavenly Father does not work that way. You see, the rest of the world's religions, every single one of them, it is merit-based. It's based upon who deserves the most, who's going to work the hardest, who is going to give the effort. You see, Christianity is not about who is the most deserving. It is about the undeserving. It is not about who is worthy. It's about who is unworthy, that he has came and showed his grace and his love and his mercy to. And speaking of the grace of God, do you realize the pool of Bethesda means the pool of grace? It says that there was five porches there. What does that mean? I believe that's significant too because numbers represent something in the Bible. The number six is the number of man. That's where you get 666, the number of man. Seven is the number of perfection, which represents God. The number eight is the number of new beginnings. You know what the number five means? Throughout the scripture, it's grace, the grace of God. Those five colonnades represented the grace of Jesus stepping in to the pain of so many people that were hurting. And he gave us an example through one of what he can do. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he was pierced how many times? Five times. One, two, three, four, five. This spoke to his grace and the extent that he was willing to go for me and for you. Write this down in your notes. God's intention is not to punish you with pain, but to produce in you the person of Jesus. Jesus. That's what he wants to do. Produce in you the person of Jesus. So let's look at the courage to obey Jesus. Go to verse number 8. Jesus told him, that's the man on the mat for 38 years, stand up, pick up your mat, and what? Walk. Walk exclamation point. Now stop there. Hang on for a second. Which brings me to a question. Does your pain cause you to respond as a victim or a victor? Hear me. You're going to respond one of two ways. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that if Jesus tells them, hey, pick up your mat and walk, you know what they begin to do? Make excuses and begin to say, I, 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 I can't. There's no way. Don't you realize 38 years I've been here and doing this? You see, I have people come and you tell them what to do and all of a sudden they're like, no, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what's going on in my life. You see, it's so easy to fall into the victim mindset and begin to blame everybody else for your current situation. There comes a point in a time that you've got to take responsibility for where you are. And you got to say, no more, devil, I'm going to move forward. And I realize you got to take responsibility for your own choices because sometimes they're your choices. Now, even if they're not your choices and somebody else has brought the pain on you, at some point you've got to draw a line in the sand. you got to forgive the past. you got to forgive the person who caused the pain. And you got to say, devil, I'm not going to let you hold me captive anymore. God, you're going to be glorified. I'm not going to be held captive of the pain of my past and held in the prison of my present moment. I'm going to walk forward into the presence of God and experience all that God has for me. You've got to make that choice. Or you can respond as a victor. I I love to hear stories of some athletes, some of the greatest of athletes of all time. You know what they do? When they're criticized, when they're put down, when they're rejected, it just fires them up a little bit more to say, I'm moving forward. Some of the most successful business people in the world, when they have failed, all that does is give them fire. Do not let your failures crush you. Let those Failures fuel you to move forward in Jesus Christ. Let's go to verse number 9. Look at it. He says this. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. That's key to note. In your notes, write this down. Choose the pain of obedience over the comfort of disobedience. Well, and John Kerry is a physical therapist in our church has been working on me three days a week. He tells me what to do. I have a choice. Obey, which means pain. <laughs> or choose to like, no, nope, I'm Okay. So far, I've chosen to put myself in the path of pain. But there's one thing I love about John. He's a very spiritual guy. And he speaks God's word. And here's what he believes. He believes in the power of the tongue. That you can speak those things into existence. And you know what he does to me? He prays and he speaks and he says, that shoulder is going to be well. That shoulder is going to have full range of motion. And I've went from here To hear, to hear, and I believe I'm going to get full range of motion in the shoulder over time. That knee, that knee is going to be full range. Even though it's been 30 years of not being able to function as it should, you're going to have full range again. You're not going to have pain. You're going to go through that. And he begins to speak. You know what? There's power. When you take on the mind of Christ and take captive every thought that is against and not obedient to Christ, and then you begin to speak out those things that are true, that are God-honoring, that are worthy, and tell you what, it will begin to change your life. There's some of you right now, you need to begin to speak to your marriage, you need to begin to speak to your finances, you need to to speak to your health, you need to begin to speak to issues and say, no more devil, I'm gonna stand on the word of God and things are gonna change for the better. Some of you have an anger issue and say, no more. This is not going to cripple me. I'm going to speak to that and I'm going to begin to change. I'm going to begin to move forward. There is power and death and life in the tongue. How are you going to respond? Now, after John does that, he tells me, get on the table. And it creates pain in my life. See, I I would love for him just just to come over and just simply just speak over me. Good things. Nice, wonderful things. And never have to deal with the pain, right? But after he speaks over me, he says, now get on the table. Because faith without works is what? You speak those things as you're going through the process of pain. And you reach your potential. <laughs> I hope somebody's listening to me out there in the world somewhere. that is getting this and responding to what God is doing. My mom went through 20 plus years of depression and struggle. And somebody gave her a word. And this word is going to be for somebody in this place today. Somebody gave her a word, and this word was this. If you can stand the pull, God will pull you through. In other words, there's going to be pain. It's going to hurt. But if you can stand the pull, God is going to pull you through. And whatever it is you're facing right now, my God will pull you through. Just don't lose hold. Hang on to the everlasting hands of God. Hang on to the one who holds tomorrow in his hands. And he will get you through. See, you cannot change what you're comfortable with. Embracing the necessary pain is essential for becoming the person God wants you to become. And the pain of remaining the same must be greater than the pain of change. If there's going to be change. And your decision, like this man, to take up your mat and walk, does not just affect you. It affects and impacts people around you. Because they're looking for inspiration. And because they've got their own pain. And they're looking for answers. And when you are set free, it gives someone else hope. look at the critics of Jesus now. Verse number 10. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. Isn't this stupid? The law doesn't allow you to carry your mat. Isn't it crazy how we can get caught up in some of the smallest and craziest things and miss out on the grand miracle that God is wanting to do in our life? But he replied, the man who healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. I want you, this is, you see, the enemy wants to use your pain to produce guilt in your life. But Jesus wants to use your pain to produce something glorious and good in your life. And remember this when Jesus has done something for you, it's always greater what others are doing to you. And that man had to remind himself of that. Because your critics will come and they will say, Oh, you put down your mat. Oh, you weren't healed. Oh, you don't deserve that. You know what you got to remind yourself? What Jesus has done for you is greater than what others are doing to you. And you got to hang on to the promises of God that are yes and amen. you got to hang on to him and say, I'm not going to let go of what God has given me. He's given me a promise. He's given me a vision. He's given me a dream. He's given me a hope. I'm going to lay hold of those promises and I'm not going to let go. That's what he did. Notice verse 14. It says, but after Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. So stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. That's kind of scary, isn't it? What does Jesus mean by that? No one really knows. I kind of researched a little bit, tried to figure out. No one really knows exactly, but let me give you two thoughts. One is this. Maybe he's saying... You were an invalid. You were sick on a mat for 38 years. Maybe physically you have something worse happen to you. Here, here's the example. Why does pain happen to our life? Any type of pain that you have is meant to redirect your attention to your source of hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? And so sometimes God will get you to the end of your rope so that you'll look up to him. Have you ever met somebody that seems like they, you know, oh, surely they hit rock bottom now, but they still keep making bad choices? And sometimes you're like, come on, just turn your attention to Jesus. But maybe this is the real reason, I think, is that maybe Jesus was reminding him that pain in this world is one thing, But the pain of being eternally separated from God is even much greater. That's so much greater. Write this down in your notes. What is worse than living with pain is living without purpose. Come on, there's a young lady in our church, Tamara Breeden, who's lived with pain all of her life. On the nerve endings and all of her body comes these tumors, and she's had hundreds and hundreds of them, multiple surgeries, major surgeries. But that girl is a warrior for Jesus. She's a powerful woman of God. And while she's living in pain, she has purpose. You see, because I know a lot of people that live without pain physical pain or sometimes types of pain, they've got big homes, big cars, but there's no purpose in life. That's a greater pain. That's a deeper hurt. That's a deeper despair. Because when you've got purpose, you see right now I'm going to therapy, but there's an end goal. There's a purpose for it. If it was pain for pain's sake, phooey on it. But that pain is producing something in me that's making me stronger and better than I was yesterday. And the pain that you're facing today is making you stronger because it is just peeling back the shell of what once was to get down to the potential of what God is wanting to do. This past week, you may have heard of a famous person, worldwide known chef, traveled the world, was on CNN regularly, Anthony Bourdain. What happened? He had a pain that no one even really knew about. What was that pain? I don't know. Loneliness? No purpose in life? I'm not judging the guy and I'm not trying to dive into what was going on. I'm just saying that he committed suicide. He was famous. He was rich. He was living the dream that all of us would say would be awesome in life. Yet alone in a hotel room, he said it's not worth living with this pain. I'm out of it. There's no purpose. You can handle hell, high water, whatever. But if you got purpose, you can get through it. Amen. Which brings me to my favorite verse Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Which says this and we know that God causes what? Everything to work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose for them. Everything, not some things, not a few things, every single thing works together. Which brings me to the thought of thinking about this man who is now carrying his mat around. Why did Jesus want him to carry his mat? Let me give you two things that I think he was thinking about. Jesus wanted that mat as he carried it around to be a reminder of what God had done and also as a testimony to others of what God can do for them. Are you hearing me? He was carrying that around. So many times we have our past that's behind us, whether that be drugs, whether that be alcohol, whether that be, you know, just sexual addiction, whatever it is, a divorce, something else, and we want to hide it. We want to get rid of it. But you know what? God says, no, 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 carry it around with you as a reminder of what God has done for you and what God can do for you. And so it will be a testimony to others to give them hope of what God can do in their life too if they'll only believe. God works all things for our good. Father, eyes closed, no one looking around. Do a work right now in people's lives. If you're here and you don't have no purpose for living, Jesus is your hope. Jesus is your reason. You can accept Him as your Lord and Savior right now. The Bible says if you confess and believe, you shall be saved. Do that right now. Right now where you're at. Now the second thing I want to talk to you about is in this place right now there are lots of people struggling with pain. That pain could be a child custody issue. It could be a marital separation issue. It could be a physical pain in your body that you don't have answers to, or maybe you do, but you just are sick and tired of hurting. It could be job losses, job searches, and no answer, and you're questioning yourself and struggling and you're battling. And I I don't know where you're at, but I know this, like last week, Every single chance I got, I came forward and said, God, I need you to heal my body and touch me because I am tired of this pain. I know that you're producing something in me and you're going to do a great work. But God, I also want to be free from the pain. If you're struggling with pain, whatever that may be, I want you to stand to your feet if you want to be free. I want you to take up your mat right now and I want you to stand up so that you can walk again. Now. Now. Begin to stand, whatever that pain may be. Begin to stand to your feet. There's a pain, there's a pain. If you're tired of carrying. You're tired of handling it. You're tired of dealing with it. Jump to your feet. Could be disappointment. Could be loss. God is saying now is the time for you to take up your mat and walk anyone else. I want to ask you to do this now. Every person standing, or maybe you're not standing, but you know you should be standing with these. I want you to come to this front as close as you can. Quickly, quickly move this way. Move this way. Don't block the aisles. Allow people to get in. Get across this front. I I, I talk to some people sometimes that they they demean their pain. They say, well, I realize my situation is not, no, no, no. God's concerned about your situation your present pain what you are going through very much so now I want you to help me out I want everybody to turn and face that direction just face that like you're in a line ready to get now let's just pretend for a second that the answer to your healing to your pain is at the end of that line there and you got the first person which I think is Luke I can't tell for sure in the back Yes. If you're back here at the very end with Leo, you'd wait in line. If you knew that it's going to be freedom, wouldn't you? You'd be patiently waiting. You're like, I'm going to wait here as long as I have to, if that means I can get my now. Turn around and face the other way. Everybody, go that way. Now, what has happened is the first has become last, and the last has become first. You see, in our world, in our situation. And maybe even at the pool of Bethesda here, it was all about who could get in the pool, who's the first one in, who could be the, you know. And that's the way we seem to operate. But in God's economy, he doesn't operate that way. Everybody turn and face me now. In God's economy, all of us have an audience with God right now. Right now. There's no waiting in line. There's no waiting your turn. There's no saying let everybody else go first, then I get to go. Oh, well, somebody else gets the blessing this time, somebody else gets the healing this time, somebody else, no, 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 it's for you right now, at this moment, at this time, and I want you to begin to go after God. And I want you to begin to throw up your hands right now, now you at your seat, if you're part of the prayer team, begin to come, begin to pray. Come, but every single person, stand. I want you to stand with these, stretch your hands forth. And now let's, let's begin to pray. Father, I pray now by the power and the name of Jesus. Set free. Set free. Set free. Deliver. Deliver.